0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today is part two of the story of more. We're talking about the care of God's creation. You'll hear as part of the sermon an interesting Japanese concept that is so apropos to our subject. Right now, here's First Pres associate pastor, Tim Shaw.
1: Hi, I'm Tim Shaw, one of the pastors here on staff at First Pres. And today we're continuing our four-part sermon series called The Story of More. Last week, Pastor Dan kicked off this series with a challenging message that focused on God's call to his church, to us, to care for what God has created. Here's what I'm discovering more and more. Taking care of the planet we live on is not an extra, maybe nice to have part of being a follower of Jesus. I think it's right at the heart of what God is calling us to be and to do in the world. My goal today is to build on Dan's excellent message. I want to do that by briefly revisiting one of the passages he walked us through and then I want to point out some other passages in the Bible that help us understand our relationship to what God has created. We're praying that God's Holy Spirit will be our teacher, that God will guide us into a clear understanding of how he is calling us to be stewards of the gift of this planet, that he is entrusted into our care. I've called this message the story of more between the beginning and the end. I've given it that title, knowing how the human story begins and knowing how the human story ends will help you and me know how we are to live our lives today. I really should have called the message the story of more between the first beginning and the new beginning Because what we see at the end of the Bible, at the end of the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, is not really an ending. The Bible closes with the story of a new beginning. And that gives me a lot of hope. And I hope it will give you a lot of hope as well. It's so easy to get discouraged, to lose hope, and just want to give up. The challenges are too great. There's nothing I can do about these huge issues facing our world. I want to encourage us to fight off the temptation to think that way. I don't encourage us to live with renewed hope because there are reasons for hope. The New Testament closes with a new heaven and a new earth, a renewed, recreated earth. At the end of the book of Revelation, we see a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, coming down to this planet. I think one of the big errors that I was guilty of making at one time in my life, was thinking that my impact on the planet doesn't really matter. It didn't really matter that much because in the end, hey, it was all gonna be destroyed. I no longer believe that is what the Bible teaches. It's part of the hope that we have as followers of Jesus that one day God's kingdom will fully come to the Earth, to this Earth, and that we will live with God forever. Knowing how the story begins and who God has made us to be, and having an idea of what is ahead for us in the future is super helpful as we think about who we are and what we are called to be and to do with our lives. We started 2021 uh, talking about knowing our why. Back on January 3rd, I suggested in a sermon that I really only begin to understand my why, my purpose in life, my reason for living, as I begin to really understand Jesus' why and start to join Jesus in what he cares about and is doing in our world. On the first Sunday in January, I suggested something that might have seemed ridiculous. I said in that first message of the new year, could it be that during this challenging season, during this ongoing pandemic, in the middle of all the turbulence we are living through as a nation and a world, could it be that we just might have a unique opportunity right now to ask some very deep questions about our lives. What is God calling us to be and to do with the life he has given to us? You and I are endangered species. There's only one of you, and there's only one of me. How will we live this one, relatively short life that God has given each of us? How are we going to make this one life count? Could this season of challenge be a time when we might discover or rediscover our why what really matters in our lives what do we really value what do we really care about in what direction are we headed and how does what god cares about shape what we care about today in this message i want to build on what dan shared last week and reframe these questions in the specific context of our relationship to God and God's call to care for his creation. What responsibility do each of us have for what God has created and entrusted to us? You know, every time that we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And every time we pray that, we are asking God to bring his kingdom to the earth. God's kingdom is indeed breaking into our world. And one day, God's kingdom is going to come fully to the earth when Jesus returns and sets up his kingly rule and repairs everything that is broken. He's going to come back and fix our shattered world. And that includes repairing you and me and everything that is on the earth. That is our great hope. Jesus is going to come again and put everything back together. But until he does, what should we be doing with our lives? Well, I think we should be joining Jesus in the work of restoration that he has already started in the world. A few weeks ago, I wrote a first press devotion called Sing Gently as One. And in that devotion, I talked about the Japanese art form called kintsugi, Kintsugi is the art of mending broken pottery or ceramics. The thought behind kintsugi is that when something important to you or special to you has been dropped and is broken, what you have left are only the broken shards. What do you do with the broken pieces? My tendency has been to just give up and throw the broken bowl away. But kintsugi shows us how that broken vessel can be glued back together. But what is so amazing to me about this process of restoration is that you don't just glue it back together. You actually highlight the fractures with gold dust. What is recreated is actually more beautiful than the original. Isn't that amazing? In the past, I have not wanted to highlight the history of a broken cup or bowl. My approach to repairing things has been to try and fix things, So, there's no evidence that it had ever been dropped and shattered. If I was unsuccessful in hiding its history of brokenness, my tendency has been to toss the bowl in the trash, since there's no use for a broken bowl, or so I thought. It had not occurred to me until now that by acknowledging the fractured history, even highlighting it in gold, could actually make the vessel stronger and more beautiful than it ever was. Isn't it interesting that God wants us, people who are being put back together by him, to be a part of what he is doing to repair the brokenness in our world. He's fixing us and he's inviting us to be a part of his restoring work in our world. Caring for the planet is part of the work of healing that God wants us to be a part of. Where we are in human history is super challenging. It makes me think of a conversation that Frodo Baggins had with Gandalf in J.R.R. Tolkien's literary masterpiece, The Lord of the Rings. In the Fellowship of the Ring, Frodo, the courageous hobbit, and Gandalf, the great wizard, talk about the difficult days they were living through. They discuss the overwhelming tasks that were facing Frodo and his friends. Frodo and his mates signed up to take the one ring back to Mount Doom and destroy it and save their world. They knew that was going to be super difficult and really dangerous. And they were actually uncertain whether they could succeed. But they were determined to do all that they could to try and achieve this goal because so much was at stake. To destroy the ring before it got into the hands of the forces of evil, that was going to require a lot of courage and a lot of risk taking. As Frodo and Gandalf talked about the challenges ahead, Frodo says to Gandalf, I wish it need not have happened in my time. And then Gandalf replies, so do I. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. We don't get to choose the times we are living through. I think that's true when we're talking about a moment in human history like the one we're living in. And it can be true when we're looking at the challenges we're facing personally. We wish we did not have to face these challenges. Gandalf agrees with Frodo. He too wishes that they did not have to face the challenges that needed to be addressed. But as Gandalf says, That is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. I'm definitely with Frodo. I would prefer we weren't facing a global pandemic. I wish our nation and world was not as divided as it is. I wish we were not facing the climate challenges I think we're in. Now I'm not a climate scientist, but I didn't just roll off the back of a turnip truck. My undergraduate degree is in biology, so I've been interested in how the world is designed and how it works for a very long time. I'm fascinated with systems and how one part of an ecosystem impacts, for good or ill, another part of that system. Over my lifetime, I've watched more and more people be interested and concerned with changes taking place in our world. We are observing various symptoms on our planet, like intensifying hurricanes, more wildfires, sea levels that are rising, the death of coral reefs, and more and more people are asking, why are these things happening? I think we need to do what any good medical doctor would do. A good physician wants to understand and address the reasons why their patient is experiencing certain symptoms. They want to get to the bottom of what is causing that symptom. And I think more and more people are ready to address the underlying causes of the changes in our world that are so concerning to so many people. In 2009, three animated films were competing to win the prize for Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards. The three films were Bolt, Kung Fu Panda, and Pixar's Wall-E. If you know me at all, I think you know who I was rooting for. I loved Kung Fu Panda, but Wall-E was my pick. Pixar Animation Studios are in Emeryville, California, which is right next to Berkeley, where I worked as a pastor for 25 years. There were a number of Pixar employees who worshiped at First Press Berkeley, where I was a pastor. My friend Austin Lee played a major role in creating Wally, the main character in this film. This little robot that was left on Earth after the planet was evacuated because it was no longer inhabitable but someone forgot to turn off the little robot before humanity escaped the dying planet. And Wally just kept trying to clean up the mess that human beings left behind. And for hundreds of years, Wally organized the debris until one day he made a discovery that made it possible for humans to come back to the Earth. Wally runs on solar powers. He needs to get his solar panels in the light. Ah, the resilience of God's creation. Wally discovers a little plant growing inside an abandoned refrigerator. That's the evidence everyone needs to prove that life on Earth is still possible. Well, Wally and the scriptures don't exactly agree on the future of humanity. But both do share this conviction. There is hope for our future. Knowing how the human story begins and how it ends or begins anew, will give you and me a lot of guidance for how we should live our lives. Knowing the beginning and the end will help us know how we live our why, our purpose. Last week, Pastor Dan showed uh, showed from the uh, scriptures that everything belongs to God. The animals, the ocean, the streams, the lakes, the air we breathe, all the people on the planet, the stars, the universe, all of it belongs to God. This is super important for us to understand. Everything, every person belongs to God. And that understanding should shape and inform and guide and direct how we interact with everything and everyone else. The planet is on loan to us. We do not own it or the people on it. God has entrusted this planet and all the people on it into our care. It's like God has given us the keys to his Lamborghini. Living on Earth is not like renting a Toyota Corolla from Enterprise, and it's not like carjacking a vehicle and getting in a chase with the police across Southern California. Uh, God has loaned us his Lamborghini. I've watched those car chases across LA on TV. I've seen the California Highway Patrol pursue a stolen vehicle down the 405 freeway. The person driving the stolen car does not care what happens to the minivan he's in. He has zero concern for how banged up that vehicle gets. It doesn't bother him when he slams into other cars or when he drives across the median or plows into a guardrail. All he's concerned about is accomplishing his personal goal of surviving. These car chases usually don't end up well for the carjacker. God has given us the keys to his Lamborghini but human history has a lot of examples of what looks like the equivalent of a carjacking of the planet. I think we're getting better at caring for the Earth, but there are still a lot of examples of a devil-may-care attitude towards how we generate power or manufacture products or extract minerals from the Earth or use plastics. We've got some serious problems because of the way we've been living. And the people who are the most impacted by a cavalier attitude towards the planet are the poor. And the people who are going to have to face up to all of this are the generations who are growing up right now. Future generations are going to face great difficulties if we don't start facing them today. God has loaned us his Lamborghini. We are not renting a car from Enterprise. I actually think you shouldn't trash a rental car. Living on Earth is more like having a friend loan us their car. I was talking to Pastor Dan this week and he told me the story of a time of a friend who, when a friend of his borrowed one of their cars. And when Dan got it back, it was trashed. McDonald's wrappers were everywhere, sand on the seats, no gas in the tank. When we borrow our friend's car, we should return it to them in better condition than when we got it. The gas tank should be full, even if it was on a quarter tank when they gave it to us. This is like backpacking. When you head into a pristine wilderness, the goal is to leave no trace that you were there. When you're a house guest for a couple of days, the same principle applies. Leave no trace, strip the bedding, put the sheets and towels in the laundry room, empty the trash cans, Replace all the ice cream you ate in the middle of the night. God, our friend, has loaned us his Lamborghini by placing us on this earth. Actually, let me take that up a notch or two. Our boss has loaned us his Lamborghini. And I think we should return the car in good condition. Knowing how the human story begins and how it ends helps us know how we are to live. Last week, Pastor Dan talked about the word dominion in Genesis 1, 26. It's a really interesting word. Here's the passage. Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals on the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Dan reminded us that dominion does not mean domination. I totally agree with that. In fact, this is a royal word in Hebrew. I think the English word viceroy best captures the meaning of the Hebrew word radah has translated dominion in this verse. A viceroy is a ruler who exercises authority in a colony on behalf of a sovereign. A viceroy is a governor, a deputy, a representative, a steward who is caring for something that belongs to a king or a queen. The English word viceroy comes from French, where vice means in place of, and "roy" means the king. A viceroy is one who acts in the place of the king. And you and I were created to rule on this planet as viceroys of the king of kings, the one who owns it all. Psalm 24, one says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. In Revelation 4, 16, we read, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. And in Colossians chapter 1, we read that all creation was created by Christ, through Christ, and for Christ. Listen to this paraphrase from the message version of the Bible. Here's the Apostle Paul writing in Colossians 1. We look at this son, at Jesus, and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him, in Jesus, and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And knowing how the human story ends will help us think more deeply about how we are to live today. My friend Daryl Johnson writes, the biblical vision of the future is not about the end of creation. It is about the beginning of creation, the beginning of a new creation. Quote, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's revelation. Revelation. Chapter 21, verse one. Daryl continues, I like what Eugene Peterson comments on this verse. The biblical story began quite logically with a beginning. Now it draws to an end. Not quite so logically, also with a beginning. The sin-ruined creation of Genesis is restored in the sacrifice-renewed creation of Revelation. The product of these beginning and ending acts of creation are the same. The heavens and the earth in Genesis and the new heaven and the new earth in Revelation. The story that has creation for its first word has creation for its last word. There is reason to hope. Well finally, for me the most amazing part of the Gospel is that God himself entered our human story by taking on the creation and becoming a human being. There is no greater affirmation of the value and importance of God's creation than the fact that God took on himself the creation. He became a human being. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, he wasn't raised as a spirit, he has a physical body. The incarnation of Jesus and his resurrection should give us the greatest reasons to value what God has created. Jesus is reconciling all things in himself. God is creating a new creation on the earth. And you and I are made in the image of that God and are being recreated as a new creation. We are created to be creative and recreative. God creates, restores, and heals. And as those who are made in his image, and are being restored and remade. We are called to join him in restoring this world that he loves. Will you pray with me? God of creation, we're so grateful that you are our God, that you are a merciful, good, loving God. And that you have made us in your image to be your image in the world. God, we just ask that you would continue to transform us and heal us and knit us back together. And as you do, God, we pray that you would show us how we can be a part of what you're doing in our world to heal the planet, to restore justice, to bring fractured relationships back together. Lord, you are healing us. Make us people who are committed to bringing restoration and healing and hope uh, to our planet and to others who are living with us on it. Lord, you've entrusted us with this beautiful gift. Forgive us for the ways that we have Misused it. Some of that, we didn't know what we were doing. Other decisions, we did know what we were doing. Forgive us. Help us to be people who want to be good stewards of what you have entrusted to us. I got maybe there's someone here uh, listening to my voice. Uh, watching this worship service who, today in this service, all of a sudden, something clicked and something made sense. And they want to put their faith in Jesus. If that's you, I just wanna lead you in a prayer. All you need to do is just come to Christ and say, thank you for your grace, for your forgiveness, and your love. Forgive me for all the ways that I have wandered away, lived for myself, hurt others. Thank you that I can come to you and ask for your forgiveness. That you are a forgiving, gracious, merciful God. And God, please fill me with your spirit. Renew me, remake me. Enable me to join you in the work of reconciliation and restoration that you're doing in the world. Fill me with your spirit that I might live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you happen to pray that prayer, we'd love to uh, chat with you and pray with you and get you started on your journey with Jesus, just hit that button that says that you have uh, said yes to Jesus, and we will reach, reach out to you and get you started. Just before I say the final benediction or blessing, I do want to remind you that we are having communion right after this service. So look for that button that will send you into a breakout group for those of you who desire the sacrament of communion. And one of our pastors will be there to lead you. But for now, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his grace be upon you and his countenance on you. And may you know the deep, deep love of God the
0: Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. God bless and ahui ho. We are viceroys, stewards of the earth and all that God has given us. Let's continue to care for all of God's creation. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Normally, we gather on Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako, but for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30 and 11.11 for First Pres, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First president I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.